0: All right. Happy Tuesday, everyone. And welcome back to another Learning Tech Talks where we are continuing to explore the landscape of learning and workplace tech. And uh, yeah, all all things. But we're going to be talking. I'm bringing back a return guest. It's been quite some time, Carl, since you were on the show. So I've got Carl Hodler from StoryTagger. And we're going to be talking... What do you think? How how would we how would you categorize it? I think we're. T- I would put it under the category of user generated content, but I think the co creation and curation component also fits into that. Is that a is that a fair statement?
1: It, it is, and I think the title that you gave, "the storytelling at scale," is apt as well. There's so many things just kind of packed into different ways of capturing um, kind of expertise and getting. Good
0: I know that's on. where it's always hard when it's like, well, what's the topic? And I'm like, well. It's a it's a bit multifaceted, but like I said, it's it's not your first time on the show. You were here. I'm trying to think how long has it been since you joined me the first time?
1: It was on Father's Day. I remember that because we did a series of dad jokes at the beginning. We
0: did do dad jokes. That's right. And so it had to have been. I bet it was almost two years ago then. Yeah, I
1: think it probably was. It was still in the still in the. Yeah, still in the pandemic. So it uh,
0: wasn't the pandemic, but I started this show like a few months before the pandemic. So I guess (laughs) I guess basically everything was during the pandemic. So anyway, um before we get before we get into that, the background still looks familiar though. Not a whole lot of so I think our backgrounds are actually relatively similar. I might it's have still a different guitar,
1: I might have a slightly different guitar behind <laughs> me. So.
0: Keeping it keeping it interesting. I still have Fred. <laughs> He's still keeping me company. But where are for those who may not be familiar, where are you located? You're over you're on the other side of the pond.
1: Yeah, in the United Kingdom in a a town called Brighton, which is on the south coast of England, just south of London, sort of London seaside. And it's been it's been a hub of learning and development for um, well since digital learning came about. That's where I I cut my teeth on uh, digital working with the learning teams down here.
0: Yeah, it, it's definitely a central hub of the ed tech space. I know a lot of stuff comes out of there. And in many cases, it's starting there, even though Americans sometimes act like everything comes out of out of here, it doesn't. So just to be clear, I'm on the States and not everything innovative comes out of America. So um, so with that, I'm in Wisconsin. You're there. Is it start or is fall starting? I don't know what the seasons are like there. I know there was like the heat wave. It was miserable for a bit as it cooled off now.
1: Yeah, it's 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 pretty. It's not as pretty as the west, the east coast of um, America right now. We've got our own little mini version of um, of okay. fall happening now. So yeah, it's beautiful. Uh, yeah, it's okay. one of our favorite times of year.
0: All right. Well, I was out snapping pictures. I've, I'm sending out my uh, email newsletter tomorrow, and I was out snapping pictures with my drone yesterday because it was almost seventy. But the colors are just. I mean, it's. It's really pretty. So anyway, that has nothing to do with user generated content, other than I'm creating content, I yeah. guess that I <laughs> that I'll be sharing. So I guess I I guess that's something. But for those who may be less familiar, and this is might be the first mm. time they've heard of StoryTagger, or, or they've heard of it, but maybe not. What? How do you describe it to people? I know you were at, you've been in the conference circuit. What was the one you were just at? I saw a bunch of pictures on LinkedIn.
1: It was uh, Learning Technologies Autumn Forum. That's so that right. Was, yeah, okay. Excel, Excel in London.
0: Okay, that's right. Yeah. So, learning technologies, and so I have no doubt you encountered a lot of folks there. And when they ask, "What is StoryTagger? How do you describe it?"
1: Well, I, I, I sometimes describe it with a bit of a story as how we got here, because I think it really solidifies um, what right. we're trying to do with the platform. Let's take a trip down memory we, lane, Carl. We we used to we used to spend a lot of time with a video crew going around filming people in the workplace. And it was around kind of culture programs or knowledge sharing, um, supporting people, you know, just sharing, sharing tips or leadership experiences. And I was always really blown away by the, kind of level and detail that people would share stories I mean, often people just wouldn't want to do it you know say hey can you share me a story about how you support customers and people would you know typically say hey no don't talk to me talk to bob he's really funny he'll be good at this and like, no 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 i'd really like to speak to you about how you support customers and, and there, there was there was one there was one lady actually in a in a, in a, in a retail store and, and i had exactly that same conversation with her. And she ended up telling me an incredible story about how she supported a really difficult customer and the way she told that story really reflected something that was happening at head office in how they were changing their customer experience model but she Took what was like you know, probably 50 100 pages of a PDF strategy document into <laughs> yeah, a yeah, one of those 90- prank index, yeah, into a 90 second video that was just full of passion and humanity and soul, and it just captured it. And everybody who watched it was just like, Oh my god, that's incredible! I completely get what this is all about now. And it made me think, I How many of these stories just get lost every day because you know, we haven't got the capacity to get those stories from people, help them share them, or um, you know there isn't a deliberate workflow or practice around supporting storytelling in a digital format around the workplace. It's just expected it to happen organically over the water cooler. Yeah. And so, story Tagger is a very simple platform that learning teams, people teams, talent teams can use to put scaffolding around the storytelling process so they can be more deliberate and more strategic about pulling those incredible stories, the knowledge experience, out of those physical silos, putting them into the digital space so they can, like you mentioned, Christopher, share stories at scale across the business and see small impacts happening in a physical area being scaled out and being... Transformational across much larger um, businesses globally. Um, you, you know, sure. wherever people are doing similar roles, and they can benefit from the experience, knowledge, and passion of people doing that role in a completely different location.
0: Well, and what I like about the way you frame it up, because um, again, you know, i i use I use your app. The p- folks who want to follow my LinkedIn stuff every Friday, I do a quick snapshot summary of kind of what these conversations are on. Um, and I use StoryTagger for it for that for that reason. Um, but I think one of the things you brought up with it, and I hear this conversation happen a lot in organizations, sometimes it stems around the topic of knowledge management. And this is usually where I see it start. There's a there's all this great information in people's heads, and we need to, we need to put it somewhere. We need to capture it out. And where I think sometimes I've seen this miss, not only, and I think a lot of times where I see it go down the IT rabbit hole is. Well, then we start talking about infrastructure and where does it go and how does it all fit? But it's it's very mechanical. And I think a lot of times that's misses the forest through the trees, is it's the mechanics of all this raw data instead of the stories, like you yeah. said. And so so yeah, we work and we put everything in PDFs and we make Frankindex and we storm in better locations where people can find them and all that. And it, it not to say it's not adding value. But it misses the, well, the story behind that. It's like, okay, here's this 80-page PowerPoint, but I don't really understand what this all has to do with anything because it's just too much to understand. And I think that knowledge management piece, a lot of that can be encapsulated in the example you just... That 90-second story from somebody who took what that 80-powerpoint deck was and did something with it, and they share the story about it.
1: Absolutely. And I'm putting that human side into it so the emotion you know I used to hate this job because people were so difficult and challenging to deal with my manager transformed how I thought about it by rebranding it to they call it the yes desk and she took that as her own and decided how she was going to be and it was just it, it was it was amazing and that sort of thing happens all the time and since we talked last couple of years ago a lot a lot of things have been changing and one of the things that i found really interesting is um around trust so there's there's an organization in the uk called edelman and every year they release something called the trust index and it's super interesting to see where trust moves you know from kind of politics to leadership and all over the yeah. place. This year they did a supplement um called the trust in the workplace and trust in our co-workers and line managers has just shot up so it's really? the people we work most closely with are the people we trust the most. And it's gone down for um, your CEOs, HR leaders, that's sorry to say. I've seen
0: that, tr- Microsoft had similar research that showed the same thing. The ones in mm-hmm. your close sphere, yeah. trust has significantly increased. The ones that are two clicks removed, it's just
1: gone down significantly. That, that, that's it. I think there's a lot of things going on in the world that impact and influence that. But that trust that we have with our co-workers is, is something that um, is, is really valuable. You know, so if, if you want to get people to change behaviors or do things in a new way or perhaps put themselves out of their comfort zone, um, commit time to learning, uh, if they can hear the benefits of that journey Putting themselves through a new experience from their peers, they're far more likely to take notice of that and take action rather than being told to do it from above. And this, this, it's been something that's been you know, progressing for a number of years. But I think everything that's happened over the last few years has, has really accelerated that cultural side of trust within organizations. Um, and we kind of, we need to, we need to shift how we communicate with people within organizations to accommodate yeah. the, 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 the change within trust.
0: So let me ask you this. I normally don't start here, but I think it actually may, it actually may help kind of solidify where we're going with it. Because all of... I, what I would say is when I have conversations like this, or when people hear conversations like this, that I see a lot of head nodding and agreement, you know, that yes, I agree. We need more stories. We need people to share more information, context. It helps, you know, solidify the change, things like that. And there's this gap between I get, we should just like at the end of December, everybody says I should start working out this year, you know, type of a thing. And then we get to January and, it doesn't necessarily make the jump. I've got a point of view on this, but as you, as you have worked with organizations or as you've had more conversations, what do you see being some of those sticking factors that prevent people from going from, I know we should do more of this, but we don't. What, what, what ends up being some of the things that you see most commonly trips people up where they, they just don't end up making the jump.
1: Um, so I, I I think there's perceptions over what okay. creating content with employees is actually about. I mean, obviously, we're used to seeing user-generated content coming from social spaces. You know, so we look at TikTok, we look at Insta, Facebook, YouTube. YouTube. Make,
0: Even YouTube. Yeah, all these things.
1: We make a lot of assumptions about what that is like. You know, we may have never created it ourselves. We make assumptions about what that experience is like <laughs> and how that will land within our organization based on the culture um around how people lived values all all that sort of stuff wrapped in and 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 it can be a bit um scary for people to feel that they're going to be losing control over how they are um distributing content and, and not having that it's a different role. It's laying It's, play in it's, it. It. it's, it, it's the, the role of curator is growing within learning and development. But uh, I think the, yep. the curator role that has emerged first is the curator role of going out and finding resources, pulling those into a central space, and making it really easy for people to find stuff that they need when when they need it. The the curation role where it comes to co creation with employees. Um, that's new it's, it's 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 got more scope to it as far as helping people create the content that you need to distribute and also motivating and encouraging them to participate in the creation of learning content for your organization as well and and, and that's probably the other thing that can scare people um is the idea of they think well how would i feel as if i was Asked to step onto this much bigger stage and i just assume everyone else is going to feel like that and they'll just never do it and and so that can be a sticking point if teams aren't um necessarily at the right point in their journey on this to start looking into well how do i do that how how does that yeah. work in other places because it never used to work in um in the social space you know some of the first Social campaigns were just absolute car crashes. You know, nobody yeah. engaged. It hasn't been like this forever. It used no, to that's really- the
0: thing. I think we we sometimes forget the journey we've been on, and there's mm. this assumption that oh, the way TikTok and Insta and and these social platforms that's how it's always been. And it's yeah. like, I mean, I remember the days of Facebook where it's like, is you know, Christopher is, and it was like these lame statements that you would make. There were these awkward, yeah. weird. You know, I am sitting at my desk working on homework, Just things like that. It Um, wasn't um, like it is now with this authentic, genuine content that we just now take for granted and go, well, that's just how it is. And I think organizations are much more on the infancy. I also really like that you split the difference of the curation roles, because that is a skill capability difference in an L&D function. You know, again, even making the journey from, like you said, I would say curator 1.0, which is scour for resources, go through, find the best of the best, pull them together in a meaningful way, still super valuable, but that's a different skill. That's a 1.0. What you're talking about is 2.0, which is actually co-authoring, co-creating, creating structure, infrastructure, scaffolding, and then working with these partners to actually generate content. That is a that is a different skill capability
1: within an organization that takes some effort. Well, it sounds like <laughs> It does. I, you know, if I was a consultant, I've got, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Christopher, that is uh, definitely need to pay me um, several thousand dollars um, an hour to help well, you with that. <laughs> I don't mean it in the sense, I don't mean it in the sense like it's this impossible
0: task. You need to hire a big four firm to help you do it. But you, I'm saying you, like from a you, mindset effort, it,
1: it, it's it, a different way of working. It is a different way of, way of working. working. But do you know what? Um, I find the designers that we support absolutely have all the skills to be able to do it. It's just a a tweak in how they think about it. And you know what? Um, Some of the skills that designers gain from that curation mindset, that co-creation mindset, they're pretty helpful in a bunch of other challenges that um, learning they teams are. have to, um, you know, um, get over as well. So that that whole nurturing people to no, find time I... to learn, sharing the value, it, it, it the, the value. The value piece is probably the biggest part of that jigsaw and baking in the act of co-creation into workflows and processes. And it starts to make you think, Okay, so if, if, if I'm able to encourage somebody to do something that they potentially felt uncomfortable about, but they found straightforward and they produced a really amazing result in this way, could that, be transplanted yeah. into getting them to do other things that they, no, they, they and potentially I, and I got barriers against. I appreciate against. the
0: back and forth on it because I think it's it's a good point because we can oversell it as this is this big, complicated shift we need to make. At the same time, having been on the practitioner side, I have seen how much <laughs> intention it takes for an organization to change their way of work. And I, and I think that's one of the things that for learning practitioners, you have to be willing to let go. And I've seen people death grip onto a way of working that's like, <laughs> come on, like, let it go. Like, why are we holding so tightly to this is the same thing. It's just a different flavor. And and people will just go, I don't know about this. And it really takes a no, no, we're doing it. We're going to do it and you're gonna to need to get comfortable with it. And it's not wildly different than what you did before, but we gotta jump.
1: So the the, the the secret sauce to all this is that um, helping people share um, knowledge experiences, take in my journey where they create something that's gonna deliver value to others, but also reflect on their own achievements and look at themselves yeah. to the value that they bring the organization. That's actually quite a buzz. So when you take someone on that journey, it's really transformational for the individual. But as the curator, oh my God, I mean, I, 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 I find it addictive. Um, just seeing um, those journeys that people go on and then the incredible ideas and value that they bring, it, it actually becomes quite compelling once you get started. And um, I think once you unlock that and you start seeing yes. the incredible value that your people can bring to learning and development within your organization, it's very difficult to go back. And then you start finding lots of different ways to bring that value. I 100% agree
0: with you on that. It's like, once you've gone across the bridge, you don't, you don't go, maybe I want to go back. I've never seen when you make Mm. this, but it's a lesson of the counterintuitive. I think in that it's this sense of you're losing something and it's actually quite the opposite. Once you actually do it, you go, I've gained, I've actually gained so much more this is so much better. I mean, I even just think of sometimes I'll hear, you know, people in the l and industry talk about, I love seeing those aha moments. It's like, well, yeah, like here's a chance to do that over and over and over and over and over again, type of a thing.
1: Mm, ab- absolutely. And, um, you know, some of the, the, with some of the reasons that people because we were really early to this. I mean, we spotted this way before um it was actually a viable business opportunity. We came to the market really early.
0: Well um, you were out recording all these videos going, why why is nobody you know, else just like capturing
1: <laughs> Yeah comedies? and and, and it, I I it was just there was so the, the, it was just seeing the incredible stories and knowing that there was so many out there getting lost and how this couldn't be democratized um you know yeah. when you give when you give people the opportunity to shine who've never had that opportunity before um as i say it's transformational for them but it, it's incredibly transformational for the curator giving people that opportunity yeah. and, and, and seeing that um but um i forgotten where i was um i forgot where i was going now but the <sighs> The thing, things that have changed in the business are, um, you know, I mean, learning teams have been stripped back. There's less people having to produce more. So the idea of creating the resource production um, and Fosway uh, reported on this earlier in the year. And and they're, they're saying that 50 percent or over 50 percent of l teams are looking at. Um, user-generated content as a way to yeah. support resource production, and we've we've just partnered with uh, not Dan. only for a resource
0: standpoint, but also from a speed standpoint. Absolutely, because the reality, I'm, I'm, the, I'm, I'm, the ability for us to move as quickly and keep yeah. up with the pace at which things are changing, oh, you almost I'm... have to tap into your workforce because it's like by the time we could run it through our traditional process, it's it's expired it's before fun. it's produced.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So being um, agile and lean about being able to deliver resources to the business is is, is super important. And the only uh, user-generated content was invented for that. So all the big media companies were struggling to keep up with the demand of content from, you know, this is like pre-Web 2.0. And they were like, well, how can we produce enough content that's going to keep eyeballs on our websites? And it's like, well, it's crowdsource it. It's the only way to get um, to be able to keep up with it. So, I mean, obviously, it's gone through quite a journey over the last. 20 years but today for learning teams if you have workflows in place where you can very quickly go out to subject experts get them to produce content that within an hour you're loading into your lms or you're throwing into um you know your authoring tools and being able to release it that's that's incredible um where it used to take a long time then you're being more responsive to the business and you know if 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 Sarah, who recorded that, leaves a few weeks later. Then you've got the model to go someone else. You captured um, it. Well, you captured it, but it's easy to get the next person to um, to be able to share that as well, rather than having to go through a really protracted production I like, process. I like
0: that you bring up the workflow piece. Um, and, I, and I don't think that piece can be undersold in the sense that, I mean, there's a lot of times where... I've I've been in these conversations over the years that there is this faulty assumption that because everybody has one of these it's super easy to capture and and curate content from people. Mm. And I feel like that's a huge misnomer that just because people have the tools minus a real workflow or or easy way to do it, it's not going to ha- you know I mean we have a lot of productivity apps. It's, oh, well, you have Outlook and, and you have a camera, so can't everybody just record a video and then throw it on OneDrive and we...
1: <laughs> every, every 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 LXP supports user-generated content, right? You know, I know. Like, I and, know. And, 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 and it... they do that by giving people a record button. So you've got a record yep. button. So you, you have the um, digital capability to capture moving pictures and sound. Brilliant. Um, but when you press that button, it's it's like giving someone a blank sheet of paper and saying, right. You know. <laughs> well, it's a, I
0: mean, going back to the example and actually boss's question is a really, or comment is a really good point with this. And I think this is talking to this workflow piece of, well, yeah, throwing a record button in a tool and allowing people to record something is one thing. But to this point that boss brings up of people recognizing that they, have something interesting to share and giving them the confidence to be able to share it and reducing the friction to getting that accomplished, that is that is far more complex than throwing a record button on, on your LMS and going, yeah, there. People can record stories now. Just tell them to go into the app and hit record. Like you said, if, if you just go up to somebody and say, tell me a story. <laughs> I mean, honestly, people are going to these conferences. You want the biggest showstopper or conversation grenade? Just walk up to somebody and go, tell me about yourself. Yeah, it's, safe. it's I mean, people just they don't even know what to say to things like that. Like, uh uh, I I mean, I have watched people just go deer in headlights when they're just presented with something as simple as tell me about yourself. So similar to this, well, tell me a story about how you've improved your team culture (laughs) i i don't know off the top
1: of my head Uh, yeah and, and bass is completely on the money um most people devalue their own experiences and the value that they have for others um and part of the curation role is helping people see the value that they do bring to the organization and the value that sharing their story or experience will bring to the organization. And, and that was always the same. Even when we were doing it with the video crew, we, 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 we had to sort of take people on that journey. So digitizing that, if you think about it, a record button doesn't do any of that at all. It's it's a really no. cold stop <laughs> as far as it the is. creative process.
0: It's, yeah, no, it, I mean, it is. It's just one of those... And and I think I'm curious your experience as you've done this with more organizations, but I think because everybody has a phone, most people have probably taken a selfie of some mm. sort, you know, type of a thing. There's an assumption that people are comfortable recording themselves tell-
1: on video. There's, there's, and that's there's more of an assumption. And, and I think there people is. potentially are because culturally over the last three years, um, I think these last couple of years have helped. It, it's it's made a really big difference. So people are more used to it. So it's 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 not so much a fear of um, recording themselves. And I actually always think the fear of recording yourself or not liking your voice or needing a haircut is more down to um, the, the the personal fear of saying something stupid or wrong or yeah. being judged. Um, And and that's always really freaked me out in real time interviews, you know, if I was being filmed, this is okay, because this is like really properly just live and we can go anywhere. But if I was being filmed for something, I just fall apart because there's so much pressure <laughs> on me to, and I feel the camera operating, the interview is judging me. I'm actually so awful in front of the camera, they probably are, but um, the, the, the pressure is just <laughs> immense. So being able to do it asynchronously is a huge benefit, but you then okay. walk away and you haven't got the benefit of the interviewer guiding your reflective process. And I don't have to tell any of the learning designers on this call that the majority of people, I think I read somewhere it's like 83% of people struggle to reflect effectively on their workplace experiences. Um, I I can't remember where I got that number from, but it's huge. And and, and we know reflection is hard and it's been an ongoing problem for um, learning. So when we're sharing a story or an experience, reflection is really baked into that process and that's what the interviewer does they help the individual reflect and then they wrap that reflection into a narrative that others will recognize be engaged by and draw value from and stick with it till the end that's a lot going on right there for people to do without any support And, and that's where the record button completely falls over whether that is just recording on your phone or on the um nxp um people need scaffolding and support so that's what we basically did um we we put scaffolding you around created the, the
0: asynchronous interviewer yeah in, in, in content i mean kind of it's like yeah well, we created the asynchronous interviewer to be able to give you the question for reflection structure the discussion give you opportunity to kind of like be interviewed but in an asynchronous video format versus yeah. just saying carl tell me about User-generated content, and you're just left there going like,
1: (laughs) "What?" I think the 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 value that we got coming because I've worked in LMD. I've had a brief sabbatical into digital marketing, but I've I've pretty much worked in LMD for twenty odd years now, and um, Cheryl, my co-founder, has as well. And the value that we really got from building a product from an LMD background is that we knew the kind of stories that we needed people to share were complex. They went pretty deep on to, even if they're only 90 seconds long, they are complex stories about tough journeys, difficult processes, wins, losses, achievements. Pain, struggle, achieving goals. They are not the sort of stories that people sit down in a bar and just sort of necessarily roll out. It's very different to the kind of storytelling that people are used to. So, Story Tagger, it kind of sits outside a lot of the video tools because there's millions of video tools. I love that because mm-hmm. video is really niched. It's really niched out into lots of different areas. But but tagger, because it was designed for learning talent people teams, those complex stories are really important. So we take a very different way of helping people structure their thoughts, think about putting a narrative together, all under the direction, the creative and um, uh, you know the control direction of a of a, of a learning designer or a, a you know similar designer putting that framework together to help people really dive into the weeds of an experience they've had and hopefully share a little bit of their sort of self as well, a bit of their humanity, how yeah. you felt, how that impacted the customer and draw out some of the stuff that, you know, really um, moved people when we were doing this stuff face to face. And and, that, and it, it, it it's hard, but, um, what but I think brought-
0: that's why going back to this point of, The role of L&D is still critically important in this. And I think sometimes that's a fear when we start talking about user-generated content is there's this fear of, well, do we still play a role in this? And what you just described, yeah, absolutely we play a role because our job then is to say, what are those critical variables and elements (coughs) we want to be sure are accounted for? And how do we structure this in a way that actually draws those out of people? Because by default... Even just in the example of saying, tell me about a time you inspired your team, that's going to be all over the board versus if we architect that structure to say, here are some key pieces that we want to make sure you hit on as you share that story of how you inspired your team.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So um, a couple of months ago, actually, I think this campaign might be still going, but one of the... um one of the teams using StoryTag he used it to capture stories from senior leaders from a very big global organization on what they felt the difference was between thriving and surviving. Um that's so nuanced and interesting and deep and yeah. difficult to talk about. But with the framework that they put together and and the guy who um who who wrote the um the the, the, the campaign, um he's part of the kind of um, emotional intelligence group of this organization. So he was right in there and he created some incredible questions that help people talk about the difference between surviving and thriving. And you kind of compare that against, I don't know if you spot, there's a thing kicking off on Twitter today about um, there was a, a young lady who worked for one of the big tech organisations and okay. she released a video on TikTok about um, her life working at, um, I can't remember which organisation it was now, but one of the big, kind of tech companies but all she could really talk about was the perks so it's like I go into work I, I have a really nice muesli and then I get a salad and then I go <laughs> to the roof bar and to yeah, have my lunch and people are going, oh my god don't millennials um do any work anymore or god women in tech have a really easy life And it's like oh it's it's so hard because that organic style of storytelling people are really limited by what they can talk about And they think of
0: whatever the first thing that comes to mind, going back to the point, people are not always the best at reflecting. And it's the reflection that pulls those nuggets out of that. If you just say go, they're going to go with the first thing that pops into your head, which like you said, the example, well, when I think about working at XYZ company, I think about all the fun stuff, because that's what immediately comes to mind when that's not really what is inspiring about the work you do.
1: Absolutely. And I bet she could have done a really incredible story about what it's like between thriving and surviving as a woman working in a huge technology company. You know? Yeah given the structure she uh, and that would have blown people's minds and that wouldn't have been um you know half of it wouldn't have caused such a such debate up- <laughs> about uh modern work but so well, and i, and I uh, go for it. finish your thought well i was going to say and that that's the real difference by putting like thinking of it as co-creation rather than organic yeah. creation so the yep. designer puts a structure a framework around it that Provides that sense of comfort that we were talking about earlier, makes people feel confident that their story does attach to the um, the, the, the kind of story that the curator yeah. is looking to share, but also it just makes it really quick and easy for them. So, you know, I, I my, my goal for user generated content, I learned this really early on when I started doing this stuff years ago, was that you've got to make it um, 10 times easier than the person making it expected and to help them create something 10 times better than they ever thought they could. And, and if you can hit those two sweet ones, that gap, in between is where delight happens, you know. If you okay. can, if you can hit that, yeah, and, if it's and that's easy. How you...
0: And they get done creating something. And go, wow! Yeah. I actually created a pretty, like, I created a pretty cool thing.
1: Yeah, um, and that's where you start building a new culture from.
0: Okay, well, and I like the way. I mean, boss, you. I always love your comments on this stuff because it it kind of is. It's like it's it's ID for video content. And I, what I like about the way you framed it, and I think this might be a good takeaway for folks when you think about this, because I do think words matter and even user-generated content can sound, regardless of who you are, it, it can frame things the wrong way. Like if you're an end user, that can sound onerous to be like, oh my gosh, you're putting it on me to do everything. Or if you're an ID or a learning professional, you're like, well, we're just giving up everything. Where when you say co-created content, that's different because that really embodies the fact that, no, this is a co-production. You're not on your own as the user to generate this. We're not just saying, go do it. We're there to support you. And for the learning professional, it helps you go, no, we're also not just giving you the keys to the castle. We still play a critical role in that. And so I actually really like that term of co-created content versus user generated content, because I, I think true, just user generated content might work fine for TikTok, things like that. But for corporate learning and development, I think it's a little bit more of a scattershot that you're actually going to get something of any value if you truly do. Here, just users make something and make it good.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, everyone's busy. Um, people don't have time to sort of sit around writing Kind of blog articles and so i mean that's not even happening now it's a real struggle to get people kind of creating traditional content yeah. for um <laughs> to support learning so it has to be really nimble and lean and agile and quick and and, and it also has to be attached to purpose as well so this yeah. stuff can't just feel like you know a flight of fancy for the learning team it's like oh let's get people talking about <laughs> the impact that da, 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 has had and that'll be really great for the culture is people will see through that and they'll they'll, they'll yeah. think, well I'm really busy why why should I put myself out to do that but if it's really baked into um so say if you're asking people to share a day in the life story or share tips for onboarding it'd be like um so you know how we're really struggling with people dropping out of the onboarding process kind of really early on because you know that they just don't really feel they've got a place here and that's putting a load more pressure on your team to kind of fulfill stuff because you're having to take on extra roles and you're not getting weekends they go, yeah i'm really hating that so if, if, if what we're going to try and do is we're going to try and get some um stories from you guys talking about the culture that you've created and how you kind of live some of the values that we've got so when they're you know coming in they're feeling like part of the team and some of this really complicated language that you guys use so maybe i mean i was speaking to a team from a pharma company and they were having this exact problem and like the team they'd had there who'd been working there for years they were they were just like talking in a different language to people who are being recruiters and people landing maybe they been pulled in from different industries, and they hadn't worked in pharma before. They had all the skills, and they were. I remember the first. I, jo- I joined
0: pharma, and I remember my first week was like, "What did I just sign
1: up for?" Yeah, did you, I mean you probably felt you'd landed on a different planet?
0: It was. It was like a, I'm like I'm. I don't even know where I am right now.
1: Yeah. And, and and it's going to feel like that. So onboarding is a really common use case where you try and make people feel part Capture of the family, giving them tips, um, giving them advice, getting connections from leaders across the business so they, they, they feel welcome. And overcoming some of those hurdles and barriers. That's what i got. If you've been on TikTok, just watching people eating all day, then um, you're going to land in the workplace and it's going to be a bit of a shock yeah. to the system. So uh, helping people feel part of your family as quickly as possible in that onboarding experience. That's a really great use case for this sort of style of content. And, you well, know, I'm if you gonna just pause,
0: want... I want to pause you before we go into too many use cases, because I do want to actually, we've talked a lot at a high level of what we're talking about. I think it's relevant to show- what we mean in terms of this and then get into some of these use cases. Okay. Because to me, once you actually, I mean, I'm familiar with it because I use it, but I think for folks who may not be understanding what we mean in terms of this co-created, co-authored experience and workflow, this is really helpful because to me, once you see how it works, you can start to go, oh, okay, so this is how we might actually be able to capture some of the stories <coughs> and then use them.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and thank you, Christopher. Because I'm absolutely terrible at um, actually showing the platform. I did the I did a session at Learning Technologies last week, <laughs> and loads of people came over to the stand afterwards and said it was really cool. He didn't mention tag at once. I like the worst salesperson ever. Um, <laughs> so. But so the, 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 the way stories and we've gone over, you know, put out a structure around reflective practice yeah. around storytelling, but making it so people don't really feel they're doing that. It's kind of like stealth reflection. Um, yeah. Now, what you can see on the left here, this is this is where learning designers work. This is the design tool. So we're in a campaign yeah. here. Um and the way that you help somebody put together a story is you break it down into parts. Now this story's got two parts. You could have three, four, one, depending on how complex the story is you want someone to share. Parts are a bit and this like, is
0: the this is the ID architecture because I know yeah. I've created campaigns for myself. This is how I structure my stories is I'm like, well, what is the general flow in which I want my story to go? These are the major segments of that that are in digestible chunks. So you're not trying to be like, oh, Jesus,
1: too much information. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're keeping the cognitive load as low as possible for the creator, making it feel really easy yeah. for them. And so it's broken down into parts, which are a bit like, you know, like you say, it's kind of chapters in a book or scenes in a movie. Bite-sized yep. parts of narrative that all come together to make a bigger story. And You create the titles for these, Um, that's your narrative arc. Then you can set time limits on people for, for people here. So um, I, I, every uh, learning designer I speak to always kind of grins when I mention the subject expert who sends them a video and it's like sixty minutes long and just I- sort of like <laughs> packed full of everything in there. It's the
0: Franken uh, video. They decided yeah. to jam everything that they may want to say about it in there, and I think the time limits help to go. You gotta, <laughs> you gotta get it
1: down to a tweet. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, there's we, we, there's kind of like two scenarios or three scenarios you often get if you're just doing this in a, an unstructured way. Um, you, you get the Franken video, like we just mentioned. Uh, you okay. get people who maybe send you a video that goes, yes. And he's like, what the heck? <laughs> it's <sort of> like, <laughs> well, and, and, and it's, you know, I've, I've heard designers tell me it's heartbreaking when they get something like that through because they go, oh, have you published my video yet? And they're like, we can't publish the video. Yeah, we um, cannot put this out there. We <laughs> cannot put this out there. And it's really, it, it's tragic, you know? It's, it's Which really is
0: unfortunate because r- that kind of stuff kills the energy it for does. the end users because they're like, well, wait a minute. I poured my life into... Not my life. Kills. I poured my heart into this yeah. hour-long it video. Probably and felt like it's hard life. to be like, um, but it was. Te- I mean, it was terrible. Nobody's yeah. gonna watch it.
1: And then the third most common one is just to do, do nothing. So they, you know, dog ate my phone. They, they it's just too much of a struggle for them, they couldn't overcome yeah. it. So, so, to avoid the Franken video, you can put time limits on here, and this just keeps your the content that comes back really tight, because your viewers are not going to have all the time in the world to watch this stuff either, so no. you need to make sure, these are resources, they're bite-sized, they're telling something very specific, they're um, helping people change um, their mind on how they think about something, perhaps opening themselves up to doing something differently, taking on a skill, learning learning some different um, you know, ways of doing which things. Which the
0: thing with it, what's funny is we talked about the fact, and we'll, we'll keep going on this, but I want to kind of like jump in and out of here because I think some of the things we've talked about, and this is why I like seeing it so that as we do it, we can talk about it. But that intentional time and question piece, we talked about how hard it is to get people to reflect on things. And first of all, one, which we, we're not even showing how you do, you do it yet, but like as a user, you put your notes in there which is a forced point of reflection, which I like because it's like, okay, what is your story in a sentence? Okay, great. You have to reflect on that and kind of go, all right, if I were to put my story in a sentence, how would I do that? And yeah, like here you do it, right? So what's your story in a sentence? So it's forcing this reflection on, let me actually write a sentence and and do it. And then you record it and it's amazing how quickly you realize like, oh, that's longer than 60 seconds. And so you're forced again to reflect on how do I tighten that up or or that's not quite the way. And it's almost this repeated cycle of reflection that helps you tighten up. Yeah. You actually tighten up your story and go, oh, OK, I only have 30 seconds and, and I wrote it in a sentence, but like I ended up gabbing too much. I'm going to go back and redo it.
1: And so the other thing that happens under the radar is um, by doing this, you're helping people develop better communication skills. You're helping yeah. them become better at doing an elevator pitch, really focusing on the value of what they want to share to help somebody, um, you know, maybe win someone else's hearts and minds. Um, you're helping them become better storytellers. So there's a bunch of really good stuff that's just packed into the, being asked and going through the process of doing that now some of that could be in your engagement comms you know so you could be saying well one of the things you'll get out of this it will help you to become a better storyteller a better communicator and that is one of the threads that you might the skills piece might be one of the ways that you nurture people into the idea, or nudge people rather into the idea of doing this stuff. Um, so yeah, it's 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 it, the, the the actual practice itself is is super valuable. Um, and
0: on, on this one, on this piece, on the content, I'm going to bring up this question from, um, and if I if I don't say this right, my apologies. But Abdul Rahman, uh, his question around like as you're doing this. Off the top of your head, because you I have to imagine you've seen lots of people create stories. You've done a lot mm. of things. Are there any quick tips or tricks on designing this? Because we're talking about the design side of, okay, so if you're architecting this. Because we can be responsible for creating the Franken video. Because we go, oh, you know, it would be great if yeah. they said this. And then they also said this. And then we also have the... And pretty soon we've created our own monster. So are there any tricks or tips that you have on how do you actually keep this digestible and and are there any best practices that you've seen rise to the top?
1: So something that can happen is people overthinking it. Um, okay. so on, uh, we, we, we support, we, we, we provide a lot of support for those early campaigns to get designers upskilled and understanding how to, um, Okay. put these stories together now we've got loads of resources knowledge base and um, we've got a template library here which has got tons of topics in it and and what often happens is um designers can put together a really um simple framework um and you know it's a mix of sentence starters open-ended questions it's very similar to the way you would have run a traditional interview and then I, I don't know what happens. They kind of look at it and think that's too simple and then go in <laughs> and make it really. And then they actually but, add more to it and you go, no, yeah. no, 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 strip it back. So it really is about keeping it simple. And we, we learned some really important lessons um, from teams working with uh, teenagers, students going through higher education. And they found the more they kind of stripped stuff back and sort of giving a structure was better for that audience now we find people in the workplace can cope with a bit more complexity um but it's it's not so much about giving people like loads of options but just making those options really thoughtful and maybe different ways of helping people say similar things or even you know when you think about the kind of questions here you know what what does a typical day look like describe the most challenging part of your job um what do you wish you knew when you first start? There's absolute gold contained in just some of these really simple questions. And so when you actually go into the, um, into the design. So maybe if
0: I were to summarize some of this, uh, two, two of the things that rose out of what you just said there, um, which I guess is my job as the interviewer is to try and pull some of that stuff out. To, to answer the question, I think one of the ones that you said is, and, and I agree with this, sometimes we see things that are simple, and we almost have this reaction like that's too simple yeah we need to do more instead of going simplicity is magnificent like enjoy the simplicity that is in there so if it seems like well that question just almost seems too basic aren't we just asking them to share you know this thing maybe that's okay instead of going well let's also do this and maybe let's give them this option as well and maybe strip it back and I think that was one that, you know, from my end stood out in that. And, um, you know, I, I like the suggestion of you You do have some examples of templates that are in there that can help. And I think the other one, oh yeah. The other one I was going to say is thinking about these really critical questions. Like, what is the question being intentional about the question, not just being like, here, just throw a question, but actually going, what are we hoping to get out of this question mm-hmm. so that the questions that you're putting in as the options actually Get the result you're looking for.
1: Yeah, ab- ab- absolutely. And I think part of the design process is going from simple to complex and then returning back again to simplicity. It's a really common loop that um, all designers in different practices um, make. But a um, so
0: question from Boss on this in there. Have you seen people? So, so obviously, there's the kind of nudge in terms of like, here's the question to answer. Do you ever, do you ever find people putting in there? I don't know from, a, I guess I've never tried it cause I'm doing it myself. So I don't, I don't do it, but like actually like tips for people on body language or things like that. Now, granted, I know in the recording piece, it's very good at even telling you like where to keep your eyes and making sure it doesn't even start recording till you're in the right position. Yeah, there we go. So that you don't have this, well, your face is halfway off the camera type of a thing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. We we try to keep the instructions as um, light as possible through it because people people have got enough to think about when they're reflecting and you know sharing a story. So um, it, it, the, the the user interface and the flow that people go through is really simple. The story tagger we call it a story first platform. So everything comes back to the story. So would helping somebody with their body language improve their story? And we'd ask that question. And if it did, then we'd build something into the platform that would support, you know, helping people think okay. about beyond where their face goes to improve their story. But basically, our north star is helping people share complex, personal, human work stories in a format that is going to just drive incredible value to the people who watch them, and making that process as um, fun, um, beneficial. Um, kind of uh, helpful to people as possible when they're um, when they're when they're doing it and as you can see the process is super simple i mean one of the things that people often tell me is oh my god that's so quick for people to do it's quicker than writing it in an email um and that's the beauty of video when you've got well and you're putting it going
0: back to learning in the flow of work okay the trend word of 2022 but it it is in line support with that, so one of the things, and, and you may not have seen it if you're watching this, but your question, David, um, you know, in terms of, I, I agree, and one of the things, and I think this is where helping democratize content creation actually is really helpful because a lot of people see these YouTube, TikTok videos, and they're like, oh wow, that that was so quick. And you're like, well, actually, there's a ton of, (laughs) they've got a whole content production team. Some of these influencers have an entire production team around them creating this content. But to your point about things like lighting, audio, things like that, even in that capture mode, not only is it capturing, like, is your head positioned in the right place for that, but it's giving you feedback on like, and I've had it before where it's like, it's too noisy in the background. You may want to wait to record this. Your lighting is too bright. You're oversaturated. So it actually is giving you that dynamic feedback as you're capturing things. So if you are a user, you actually are like, oh, which again I think is a good learning opportunity for people as they're creating content going like, oh, I guess I didn't think about the fact that the sun is you know, right behind me. And it's, it's completely blurring out everything Mm. or there's a train blasting by and the audio in the background is so loud. You can't hear what I'm saying, but you've built a lot of that inline support to help with some of these things that David brings up.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And could you guess why we did that? (laughs) Because if you didn't, people wouldn't do it. That's absolutely true. Um, people wouldn't do it. And without the, the, the other thing is we know that, um, one of the big production kind of snarl-ups with video is in post, so you get the video through and then you have to edit it. <laughs> That kills that, just kills agility, and it's um, it's fun. I mean, everybody kind of enjoys editing video because you know, you, you get a nice result out of the end of it. I don't know but about that. Goodness. <laughs> it, 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 it takes a lot of time, and, it does, um, it, it, do, it actually takes quite a lot of skill. It ends up, it does end up it, interview videos like this are really frustrating to edit properly. That's why we used to go with two cameras so you could do jump cuts from different angles and you wouldn't notice yeah. it. Um, but So we, we put all of this stuff in here and the structure and the self-editing so when the MP4 file lands back up on the platform um, it doesn't need editing so it can just go straight out and that's really important because the more stuff that you put in the workflow that slows it down the less easier it is for people just to build that into everyday business as usual yeah. processes and our, our goal for storytelling our, our mission is for people across organizations wherever they're working whatever their role whether they're ceo whether it's someone cleaning the floors they are able to share something significant that is of value to others and for that to be very quickly distributed across the business to solve specific challenges that yeah. are happening in the organization with as little time getting in the with way. With as
0: little time as possible. Because yeah. again, yes, in, it, would it be great if you could have a content production team that followed everybody around to capture this? But when you think about it at size and scale, you can't. I, and one of the things I think is that, that's interesting about is getting that right degree of people are okay with raw content, as long as it's not too raw. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things that you, you, you've done a good job with it in finding how do we make sure this doesn't happen? Because if all your videos come back and I mean, you see it in, in web meetings where people they're clearly going through the airport and they're on it and you're like, good grief. Do you not realize how distracting this is? And, and so you've given that pulse feedback to go, we can at least make it feel like a polished video without all of the added, added effort of uh, uh, what was going
1: to And the designer I was chatting to recently said it was compressing the time from ideation to impact. And I love yep. that because that's what it does. It just squashes that right down. And teams have done it within a matter of hours. You know, had an idea for something or a need for something, gone out, got the content, and then it was out. It was, it was delivering value within a really short time. But for... Yep. For that to happen, there's so much packed into the process. So, even down to eyeline, so a lot of teams do this stuff by doing interviews on Teams, and you end up watching a video with someone talking like this. And <laughs> it's, it's kind of okay when you're on a live call, but when you're expected to sit down and watch sort of 45 minutes of that asynchronously and someone's just talking you off screen and looking you, that's it's really distracting so having eye line for that that human connection is so important that if someone's trying to inspire you yeah maybe to get you to do something that you've never thought you could do or something you've never actually thought about before you need that human connection and that authenticity and that trust that edelman were reporting baked into that content And that's all super difficult to do without having a co-creation model where, you know, the designer, the technology work in concert to help anybody create um, super valuable uh, content that is specifically going to meet business objectives, yeah. but, um, you know, uh, the, 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 well, and I think we, we I, I knew solve. we'd run
0: out. Of, we didn't even, we, we started it, but we didn't even fully get into Cause I mean, we could sit and talk about use cases, I think probably for the rest of the afternoon if we wanted to, but I think even what we're talking about there in terms of when you, there's, there's definitely value on this learning side, but even in terms of helping build trust in the organization and things like that, we were talking about it before we went live because when I create my little selfie videos for the summary of the week, I do it from these different locations because most people just see me here. They're familiar with the map and Fred and and this and that. And so it's, it's from different parts of my house or my playground or my yard or things like that. And that does give a level of humanity to who that person who's talking to you is. And that kind of stuff really does make It makes a difference. It makes people feel like this is somebody talking to me, actually Mm. sharing something with me on a personal level.
1: Yeah, we remember emotions. We do. We do. I mean, I don't.
0: You you probably know Nick Shackleton Jones, but he talks a lot about the connection between emotions and memory, and that our memory is nothing more than our emotions—emotions reconstructing Mm. what it felt—and and that's. When you take that into consideration, it changes a lot of things. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And, and you know, when I first started kind of capturing these stories, like over a decade ago, it used to cost thousands and thousands of pounds and hundreds of man hours. <laughs> and it was never really that great because we couldn't really get out to people. And now, um, you know, I'm really proud that we've made something that can and, and is going out. And it's reaching really kind of hard to capture or hard to reach parts of businesses and helping people share really important stories that are really changing people's lives and their work experiences and making them um, think about things in different ways it's um yeah I'm, I'm really really it's, it's it's the platform that I dreamt of being able to create when I was sort of drinking terrible coffee and sort of uh, <laughs> trading <laughs> training rooms and <in> department stores
0: <laughs> well I'm I'm glad we had you back and this was a really great conversation uh, hopefully for those of you who are watching and listening this is just you think differently i I really like the category of co co co-created content co-authored content versus user generated i think that's a a great way to think about it and i i think it's just great to have seen the product mature even just now the desktop and mobile flexibility for people there's been a lot that has happened since we had our first conversation so thanks for thanks for coming back and joining me and having this conversation
1: my, my pleasure and once again i've proved i'm terrible at um sharing the platform and talking about StoryTagger. so if anybody does want to actually properly see the platform jump onto the website StoryTagger.com, and and um put sure. a demo with be there and always really really happy to chat to people and and talk through some use cases which is another thing that we didn't quite get a chance to do we didn't um, we didn't I knew, yeah well that's the way there's it a few goes. on the well, website and there's there's some case studies and stuff on there so um yeah okay perfect but
0: well, thanks everybody for watching. Uh, thanks for for listening or watching whatever you were doing, however you're consuming it. And uh, we will be back next week. Thanks Carl for your time. And I hope everyone has a great week.